Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests. And trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now, it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So, my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways have the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we poversate for your growth. Okay, thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you are already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. Now, during our conversation, you'll discover that we absolutely make sales make sense. But we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and yep, life itself. So our goal will be to make it all make sense. And we'll do it with a very practical and easy to understand approach. We're going to give you those little nuggets that you carry with you each day. And when life throws a challenge your way, you'll know exactly what to do. You'll have the confidence to reach down in your pocket, grab that nugget, and you'll know exactly what to do. Now, you're going to find almost every resource you need at our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for you to become the best version of your own professional self. So visit PK Solutions Group today. There's also a link to my calendar in the podcast show description. So set up some time with me if you find there's more that you think you need to unpack in your own professional life. And finally, thank you for all the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a huge difference. It allows us to continue bringing you the great content and the great guests that join us each show. Now, today we're going to jump into a topic of self-employment in entrepreneurship, and we're going to look at the path of, of being a franchisee. And we're really lucky to have with us today Meg Schmitz. Meg has been called by the Wall Street Journal the franchise guru, and she is. She's got an excellent podcast. And again, you know I'm a podcast junkie. I love to listen to engaging conversations. Her podcast is called Free Agent with Meg Schmitz. And I encourage you, make it a favorite, follow it, share it, listen to it, especially if you're thinking of becoming a franchisee. And franchising is a very viable option these days. So, Meg, welcome to our conversation today. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to glad to have you. Now, you didn't always start as a as someone who either owned a franchise or consulted on franchises. Tell us a little bit about your journey from where you were to where you are, and 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 how you help folks. Okay, so in the way back machine, it was I believe 1991, 92. My husband, who's now my ex-husband, and there's a reason for that, he went to a franchise expo in the Chicago area, and he came home and he said, listen, people got to eat, hair grows, if you drive in a car, it needs to work. This franchise thing, I really want to own my own business. And I looked at him, I said, what? I had no idea that he wanted to own a business, let alone a franchise. And the way I was raised Franchising was really kind of a dirty word. It was cheating to get into business. And so I had this whole head trashy thing about it being beneath me. Um, 
but there were a couple of things that I said to him at the time. I said, you know, why, why do you want to do this? He said, well, with franchising, it's easy. You unlock the door, turn on the lights and boom, you're making money. Really? I thought that sounds so easy. Where did you hear this? He said, well, I'm talking to this guy. I'm talking to this company called Great Clips. And that I think that's the one. It, it's really resonating with him. And I, again, looked at him like, what? Hair care? That's like a chop shop. Again, head trash. Yeah. So um, long story short is that he ignored the three things that are the pillar of every conversation I have with anybody going forward. He ignored his wife, our lifestyle, and our money mm. and was very cavalier in making this decision. He went ahead and signed the franchise agreement. If you know anything about agreements or, or mortgages or loans, it always involves the spouse. And I was very uncomfortable with all of this. But I said, if this is what you want to do. Go do it. So six months into the first one, we're bleeding money. It was just absolutely unbearable. And he was doing it. So throw away the key, lock the door first, and let's run away. And I said, no effing way. I'm too much of a terrier to do that. And so fast forward to our third salon that I was running, um, we'd talked about getting divorced long enough. It was time for it to happen. So in the divorce, I got no alimony or child support, but I did get the three locations. I built it to five locations. I was made an offer I couldn't refuse. So I jumped the fence and went over to the consulting side. Um, that had been 11 years and five locations. I was the co-op president. I'd learned a lot. I got. I must, must compliment Great Clips. It's a phenomenal business system. But you have, you have to be willing to follow the system. So I'd learned enough in those 11 years that when I jumped over the other side, consulting, I found it a very natural fit for me. So now I've been consulting for 20 and a half years, worked with hundreds of people to help them decide, is this the right vehicle for their diversification, alternative investment? That's what a lot of people are looking for right now versus, say, a job replacement. And it's really a whole lot of fun for me because I use my psych degree. I help people figure out what what their why is mm -hmm. and drill down into what kind of a system, culture, et cetera. It's not the widget as much as the, the support mechanism behind it that I fine tune for that individual and their business acumen. Well, you know what's so interesting about that story is that's all of us. I mean, life is messy. Life is bumpy. And life is full of, you know, your own personal life, whether it's happily married, unhappily married, happily divorced, unhappily divorced, whatever it may be, but that's life. And that does come into play in everybody's uh, professional life. So if you just go to work for corporate America, you've got issues that go on at home and that, you know, that interferes or affects. Um, and what I love about where you're at today is you're coming at it with 11 years and five locations of experience. And that wasn't always easy. Um, and that was an outcome of, of a divorce. So it wasn't like you said, wow, I'm going to open a franchise. I open a great clips and wow, I'm happily ever after there's all my bags of money. And now I'm going to tell people how to go do that. So I'm curious, um, in your role now, and you've been doing it for over 20 years, do you find sometimes that you steer people away because they're going into it for the wrong reasons? You talked about discovering their why. Is their why maybe off kilter a little bit? Over the years, Patrick, I have made grown men cry and women too, <laughs> who, 
thought they had their heart set on something different. And, and it's, I heard this term recently, it's momentary ambition. Mm-hmm. I want to own a business. I, screw the boss. I want to be the boss, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. There's that elevated, escalated sense of urgency mm-hmm. to try something new. And it's not the right fit for everybody there. I, I like to say that within franchising, there's something for everyone. If, you are entrepreneurial in spirit and truly want to own a business, I can calibrate it to who you are. But there are some people who absolutely are too entrepreneurial to go into franchising or they're not entrepreneurial enough to even go into franchising where they've got the support systems. Then they need to stick with a job or retire or whatever is on their horizon. Well, what, what did you call it? Momentary motivation? Is, is that the right term? Momentary ambition. Momentary ambition. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I talk to folks all the time, and it's funny how when they get disgruntled at work or they don't like their boss or they're unhappy, they say, you know, my lifelong dream has always been I'm going to own that Dairy Queen or whatever the whatever it is. And they always believe, you know, talk about the grass is always greener. They believe I, I own, I'm going to own a restaurant. People have to eat. Or I'm going to own a hair cl- uh, gray clips because – People have to get their their haircut, and I, I always question like it's been a lifelong dream or has it been a momentary moment of you know you cannot stand your job and it, believe me we all get there, um, and it's okay to to dislike your job and maybe not want to switch and say I want to be the boss I've done it done this for twenty five years whatever, um, so so they they cry you make these grown adults cry these smart business people cry, but. You probably save them a tremendous amount of heartache in your own experience and your thought process. I mean, do you find people pushing back and doing it anyway? Yes. And there are a couple of points of clarification with a momentary ambition in in the process of working with individuals and exploring, really trying to draw out of them. Why are we having this conversation? What is this going to do for you? I have had plenty of people over the years who had that momentary frustration. And then we drill down into, so what have you done in the past Mm -hmm. that would indicate to me that this isn't something that's like, oh, spur of the moment, let's go do this. That's wanton and irresponsible. Have you ever played on a sports team? Yeah. Have you ever played a musical instrument where you did a recital? Right. I I need to see something with follow through Mm -hmm. stickiness where they've, they've, started to do something and then gone to a state championship or whatever. It doesn't have to be that, that grand. You have, you been divorced five times? Well, there are indicators that are out there Mm -hmm. that will tell not just me. And Patrick, this is important because I don't work with purchase leads. I only work with referrals. Mm -hmm. So I'm accountable to that referring party to do the right thing by that candidate. Mm -hmm. And if owning a business is truly the best thing, I need everybody to see the smile that we've done the research and this is absolutely hand in glove. This we've found the right thing. Otherwise, sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's some other reason besides that momentary thing that, that would, cause me to press the pause button and, and have them redirect. Well, I think that's good too, because it's not like you're coming at a market saying, I've got the solution. I want you to fit into it. And, and you would be the type of person that if I were looking for a financial investor, 
I would like working with you because you approach it with caution for my well-being, for my money. And you say, let's make sure this investment strategy works for you, Pat. I'm not saying don't invest. I'm saying let's invest your let's investigate the strategy you want to choose. Let me take a look at what I've actually lived through and let's talk about that. And so I think that's I think that's a really solid approach. And I would imagine that you discover things along the way when you're talking to these folks about maybe things they didn't even realize, franchises that they haven't considered yet. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. What's the exploratory process like when you're talking with these folks? I prefer that people come to me for a conversation with a whiteboard mentality. Mm -hmm. When people come in and say, will you help me buy a Dairy Queen? My first question is, why are you looking at Dairy Queen? Mm -hmm. Again, that word, why? Mm -hmm. So the, the process that I navigate people through is a very organic learning experience. And there are a couple key questions that I ask because I can look at your resume. I can look at your LinkedIn profile. One of my first questions is tell me about you that you have no business putting that on your, on your LinkedIn or on your resume. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the flight of the bumblebee. Tell me about your upbringing and transformational situations or moments that were mind blowing. They were great. They were awful work situations, relationships, so that I can get them not only to open up and start to divulge details that are personal, mm -hmm. then I can also get them to talk about activities, hobbies, and interests. Those are things that we want to protect. We don't, you love yoga? Really, you want to own a yoga studio? Well, you know, if that's how you decompress and you meditate and you really let it all go, now it's going to be living in your brain 24-7. So mm -hmm. let's be very cautious about activities, hobbies, and interests. Again, your your wife, your life, and your money, these are all elements then that help me understand how this is going to play out for that individual. Then I can start to also ask them about preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. So did you have an uncle who owned an, uh, an auto shop? Did you have anybody in your family who owned a business friend or an acquaintance who owned a franchise and they had a horrible experience? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. And right. that to your, one of your points earlier, I recommend anybody who wants to start a business or get into a franchise, work with an experienced expert in the field already because they're going to help you avoid those bumps and mind farts that you don't even think you, you didn't see that that stone and you tripped right over it and fell mm -hmm. flat on your face. Right. So work with somebody who can who can help you to navigate. Um, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a list of. Um attributes that people have that make them successful at owning a franchise. But I mean, are there things that you, you've seen that, yeah, these are just good indicators. You, you mentioned stick-to-itiveness, like, like you said, play an instrument and carry it through to state competition, even if you lost or something like that. What are some, maybe some key indicators for folks? If maybe that idea hadn't entered their mind, suddenly they're listening to this going, yeah, I could own, I could get into a franchise. So first of all, I'm looking for people who are open-minded and don't have that dirty, icky franchise. I don't represent any dirty, icky franchises, mm -hmm. by the way. So attributes, I'm looking for example, for example, corporate refugees. I'm working with some CEO, C-suite level people. They have acquired a, an extremely um, finely tuned set of resources and, and tools in their little toolbox. Mm -hmm that have enabled them to climb that ladder and become successful. Anyone who has played, if you think about 
the NFL or, or Major League Baseball, those are all franchises. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's um, been in the military, mm-hmm. anyone who likes to cook, but particularly if they like to bake, mm-hmm. this is all about found, understanding the field of battle, mm-hmm. understanding the field of play, what's mm-hmm. inbounds, what's out of bounds, how do you score, what indicates a win. Mm-hmm. I can deliver a great German ch- German chocolate cake to you if you give me the recipe card so I go to the grocery store and I buy the right quantity of each ingredient. Mm-hmm. That That's that recipe for success that we're looking for in franchising. So um, I've talked to some folks and I some of the fears I hear from folks who either they're considering franchising, but then they, I think like you said, they have the mindset. They, they get this mentality that uh, the franchise, you know, you mentioned Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen's like Vegas. They're the house. They always win. I, I lose. They, they don't enter it with a partnership mentality or all the resources. Um, so, you know, the other thing is I have to have a lot of money or I have to remortgage my house and use my equity in my house just to get my franchise. I mean, do you, what are the obstacles for folks? Financial is going to be one of them, but what are the obstacles and what are some of the ways you help folks navigate those? The company that I represent is called Franchise, and we just got back from a conference, as I say, with 500 of my best friends in the franchise industry. Mm -hmm. These are companies that are in my portfolio, and twice a year, we all get together, thankfully now in person. It's so much more um, insightful to be able to spend four or five days uh, with these franchise CEOs, founders, visionaries, and really understand what their value proposition is, Mm -hmm. what's their differentiator, and what is it that they are looking for and their ideal owner. We do directly talk about what is the cost to open. And and these are all, by the way, in in financial disclosure documents that are provided by the franchise. I Mm -hmm. I think if corporate America had to be as transparent with financial information as we have to be, Mm that revolving door would, would pretty much stop. But some of the obstacles for getting in, again, it's it's head trash. I need a million dollars in order to make even a buck. The franchisor is in it just for themselves. That's absolutely not true in the disclosure document. They have to, they have to name, itemize by individual, anyone who has left the system along with their contact information so that anybody who's looking at that concept can call Meg, who's no longer with Great Clips, and say, so you left Great Clips. Why? What's mm-hmm. the dirt? Mm-hmm. So we give them the opportunity to do a full financial exploration, full real estate exploration, look at the demographics, demography, geography. What are the success factors? So the franchise companies that I work with are very much partners to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I tell anybody I'm working with is, you got me today, but you really have me forever. Mm-hmm. You, my cell phone will light up with some. I talked to somebody at four o'clock today who's looking to sell. Mm-hmm. They're in California. The lockdown is still problematic. I'm they, I'm always on their side and I'm always available. So mm-hmm. some of these true obstacles come up even after they've purchased, mm-hmm. and we just have to keep working on. The, the elements that will make them successful or, or help them to get out. Well, I like your role because you're kind of the bridge between the, the folks looking to purchase the franchise and the folks who have the franchise to be purchased. And that bridge is an invaluable bridge. And again, you, you come at it with such a world of experience that you can make a good recommendation for both sides. You know, Pat Kagan's a good opportunity for you, Dairy Queen or whoever, you know, we're using them as an example, or Great Clips. 
because he's ex-military, he's done this, he's done this. And Pat, Great Clips is a great opportunity or Dairy Queen for you because here's how they support you and help you succeed and your success helps them success. And I heard you say um, that the franchisor, the, 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 the retail store, whatever people think of it as, they look for ways to find owners who, who can find a way to differentiate. And I think people get the concept in their mind that it's just another Great Clips around the corner, but they don't think about how they have to differentiate as a business person in their market. Because once it's their shop, you have to differentiate or they're going to go somewhere else. How do you help folks to differentiate to make more money? The fundamental element of this is that even though you are part of a franchise brand and we're stronger together than we are individually, as the business owner, if you have employees, it is incumbent upon you to create that culture within your organization. Mm -hmm. You need to give people the opportunity to advance and make more money and to have a voice in customer service or how how the different uh, revenue lines are being promoted or advocated. So it's a lot of boots on the ground listening and, and taking the temperature of employees or customers in order then to create Meg's brand. Hmm. How did I stop the revolving door of hairstylists at my five locations? And I'll tell you this, it's it's six months to two years and your stylists are gone. Mm -hmm. When I left after 11 years, most of my employees had been with me for more than eight years. Mm -hmm. That's good. So yeah. you start to look at how do you recruit, re recruit and retain that is that individual stamp of this is my business. I'm going to show up. Now, I do have some concepts that are I have loads of them that are not brick and mortar, but mm -hmm. they're territory based. You mm -hmm. think about like residential cleaning or I'm looking at my walls, you know, a painting company. You don't take your house in to get painted. You don't mm -hmm. take your house in to get your gutters clean. Mm -hmm. So there are some elements of, of moving parts that go with some of these different concepts. And, and that engagement then becomes really critical to the customer experience mm -hmm. based on the, the happiness, contentment, forward opportunities of your employee base. So in your business, I'm going to have a couple questions. The first is this. Um, you're acting as this bridge and bringing the two parties together. And your phone, you said, is always available for that owner to contact you. Do you offer supplemental or ongoing or training and development, things that help them be better bosses for their employees and better citizens in their community? Do you offer that or do you just say, hey, I know some folks who might come in and help you? I run a monthly networking group. It used to be in person. Thank you for the last few years of creating all these different virtual platforms so once a month, the first Friday of every month, I offer to anybody I've ever placed into business, mm -hmm. whether they go independent or franchise, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. We are stronger together. We're all employers. By the way, I own a number of different companies that are not franchises. Mm -hmm. I'm also an angel investor with my husband. We've got 120 different investments in companies that are independent startups. Mm -hmm. So I've got my finger on the pulse of what's going on mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I invite people with whom I've worked to join in once a month. We go around and say, who are you? What's your business? And what door can we open? What problem can we solve? You've got a think tank right here. Mm -hmm. Leverage the network. And so I, I can, I, it gives me chills. I can see in the chat who's connecting. Mm -hmm. 
And what's great about it now being virtual versus in person, no one has to wait until the room clears in order to go get a business card from somebody who said something that mm -hmm. made sense. They're connecting in the chat. Mm -hmm. And now they're off and running and they're they're solving each other's problems in the moment. That's what really is um, reinforcing for me. And now all I'm doing is creating the opportunity mm -hmm. for that that interaction. And then they're taking it from there. Come back again in February. Mm -hmm. What can we help you do in February? Right. Well, what, what I like too, you just literally modeled one of your key differentiators right there in terms of what you do compared to other people like you who offer, you know, help to start a franchise and this and that. But one of your differentiators is I'm, I'm invested in your success through the network I'm going to connect you with to help you solve day-to-day -day problems. I think that's invaluable. That's, that's phenomenal. My next question is this, um, for the, for the listeners who are thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I want to get in touch with Meg. I want, I've got some money. I want to start a franchise. I'll do it as a side hustle. And later I'll, I'll get into that. How do you help people? Like, I guess the, the best way to say it is take off the rose tinted glasses. I'm sure they see the upside. They look at, wow, with all these people and all this foot traffic and all this money and blah, blah, blah. They don't see like going four months where you pay yourself last and you didn't make anything. How do you help them literally put on that headgear and say, I still want to love this job after four months? The, well, the first thing is it's not a job. It's your business. Yeah. And so unlike working with a business broker, it has something to sell and a commission to earn. I'm not compensated. There's no transaction between us at all, ever. I'm compensated by a franchise company if we make the right placement and it's all agreed upon. So on an ongoing basis, I've got my podcast and my, my networking group, but helping people to enter into this world. And by the way, I invite people who haven't signed yet to come to that monthly meeting. Mm -hmm. They can hear bumps and warts and kicking, screaming and crying mm -hmm. and frustration and how it is solved. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, it's kind of like going to your priest before you got married. Mm -hmm. Justice of the peace it isn't going to do the same thing. That's a one and done. You get in front of the person and you're married. If you're getting pre- pre-engagement, pre-marital counseling mm -hmm. about the reality of all of this, that's what I do. And that's what my franchise companies and my portfolio are expected to do is to part the curtains and make it all bumps and warts success stories. Mm -hmm. It would be a falsification. It would be an abomination. But it used to happen mm -hmm. where a company would not divulge failures. And that's why in that franchise disclosure document, we have to disclose either failures or people who have exited the system. And anybody can talk to those people to find out why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like selling a house in the full disclosure, like my basement did flood. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you have to share the dirty laundry. Um, no, I think that's good. And I think it's, I think, it, I think franchising has come such a long way. Let me ask you, how has technology affected franchises? I mean, n not things like you can place orders online and websites and that type of thing, but has there been something that you say, well, wow, that was really a turning point for these types of franchises and technology plays a part through apps or through, through other customer you know, um, experiences? The last three years since March of 2020, the escalation 
of technology in franchising is really predicated on those franchise owners who went through this devastating period of time, mm-hmm. not knowing, shut down, no revenue coming in. How long is this going to last? So the franchisors moved very quickly because think about it too. People couldn't get on an airplane to go and check on, I mean, we're in Chicago. Maybe you've got locations in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. You can get in the car and drive and go see, but technology has really caught up in the use of apps um, platforms that that maybe a parent company uses across all of their brands so that all their franchisees can communicate mm-hmm. amongst the different brands. We have seen, for example, um, I was working with a husband and wife who owned Club Pilates in Buffalo Grove, and he took a new role in Orlando. They're down in Orlando. The company, the Club Pilates locations are still functioning, but what they were able to do then is to take an iPad and walk around to make sure with the general manager holding the iPad that or think about a great clips. All the hair is swept out of the corners. All of the stations are correctly mm-hmm. set up. So there was an implementation of technology from a management standpoint that also has come through for customer engagement. And a great example there is, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are doing this right now. Nobody wanted to have somebody come into their house. Mm-hmm. No one wanted a stranger. Well, how do you, how did we adapt them? We had technology platforms where you could prepay, you could pre-select your caregiver, your tutoring, your tutor for your kids. Mm-hmm. Cause you could look at their profile online. A lot of different adaptations, but then we've also got some, um, I, I share my screen with you if I could and show you some really fun ways that technology has entered into the business world. Um, 3D imaging and, and we're seeing that in medical devices, right? So, But now it's entering into some pretty fun franchises that can make a lot of money using technology these days and just a broad spectrum of applications. Yeah, I love to ask the question to my guests because when you frame what we've gone through with this pandemic, um, I feel like a lot of great things came out of it. And one of them is that technology, I feel like it advanced faster. I mean, do you see that? Would you agree? Like in your world, does it, it, it made us have to have things faster, better, smarter, because we were limited with that human contact. I mean, I, I think that's the case with franchises, but it seems like it's the case everywhere we look. It's a case with everything, everywhere you look. And the one insight that I would share with you, my husband works downstairs. I work upstairs throughout those three years. He would, and he's very much on the risk tolerance side. So he'll go out and invest in concepts that I don't understand, but he sees the value proposition. He used to come upstairs regularly and say, I just got another barrage of these young startups and, and they're trying to leverage a new app. They're trying to use technology. I don't understand why they wouldn't just go to a franchise that's doing that already. You ramp up your time to break even. You ramp up your profitability because now you're not kicking around trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's already been figured out. So the use of whether it's technology or, or communication is happening so much faster. And businesses, I think, are either failing faster or they're succeeding faster. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know, when, when I talk with individuals, um, the idea of franchise doesn't always come up because I think people have the idea that they have to have this idea that say, I want to pursue my passions. 
and they have to have this idea. They have to go build a website. They have to do all this stuff. And I think that if they stop and think about, has somebody already done it? Does it already exist? Isn't maybe a franchise is the vehicle you use to get there? So let me before we close it up, I want to ask you if there, if you had let's say one or maybe two key qualifiers, and you said to someone who wants to be a franchisee, here are the qualifiers that you could you could think about before you call me to introduce you to my franchisors. And I will ask you the same question for the franchisors. What's their key qualifiers for the franchisee? But start with the franchisee. What's the one or two things they should be thinking about that qualifies them in or out as a possible good candidate? Well, so we started off with this earlier with the, the motivation. Mm-hmm. How, how deep is the commitment to do this? Mm-hmm. I knew after I got divorced, I wanted to get married again. Mm-hmm. I knew I could find the right person. Mm-hmm. I was highly motivated. <laughs> and I worked with a consultant, by the way. Oh, good. And she asked me the same thing. Mm-hmm. Are you doing this just so you can kick around, go dancing, go dating, go travel with somebody else? Are you truly looking for that lifelong partnership Mm -hmm. and and if you're looking for that lifelong partnership what will it do for you Mm -hmm. yeah why are we having this conversation i'll keep going back to that simon sinek if you haven't heard of simon sinek look it up on youtube he's got a great series of videos about why and knowing your why Mm -hmm. well i think that's good because when we when i think of the context of starting a franchise or starting your own business i think people think about um what will it do to get me out of a bad situation, a bad job? Um, I missed my promotion. I didn't get a pay raise. They think about the momentary disgruntled action. Something ha- something happened. Immediately I have pain. pain. And then my lifelong dream is to say, screw the man. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to open my own shop. I've always wanted to. And all that stuff is not true, but it's what we use to convince ourselves that the risk is really worth it. So I think I think that's a really... Um, I think that's a really good thing to say, you know, what is it you want from this? And think about three years from now and four years and 10 years, you know, and and is that still going to bring you joy that you think right now just because you're leaving a job? Now, what about the franchisors? What's the key qualifier they look at? I'm sure it's finances. I'm sure that's in there. Someone has to be financially sound. But do they do they think about the person's why or do they think about just get somebody to open up the shop? Absolutely. Scenario number one there. I don't work with them if they are that basic. Can you fog up a mirror? Oh, here, sign right here. Forget that. Mm -hmm. That, That's bad for my candidate. Mm It shows no diligence on their part to screen and bring in the right individual with the right personality, skill sets, um, capabilities. You don't need to be financially astute. You don't need to be a marketing guru. You don't, you're buying a system. What the franchisor is looking for, will you follow my system? Mm -hmm. Are you going to come in and tell me everything that you think is wrong with it, even though you don't have a marketing degree and you don't have an HR degree and you Mm -hmm. don't have, don't have, don't have, Mm -hmm. they want to see stickiness to the business model because they've replicated it already. Mm-hmm. They've replicated it a hundred times, 25 times, a right. thousand times. Right. So they want the best owner is going to be that individual or that partnership that is looking for, again, it's that recipe. Mm-hmm. 
it's not going to be a German chocolate cake if you don't add the freaking coconut. Right. So follow the recipes right. is what they're looking for. So now that led me to another question then. Um, do you ever encounter like somebody's like, I want to have uh, the Dairy Queen and, and you're looking at them and you're going, you know what? You are a great clips. You are. I mean, I can see it. You have all these. And here's why. Like, how often does that happen? All the time. Really? Pat, people convince themselves through an experience. Oh, my God, this tastes so great. Oh, I had the greatest haircut. That oil change. They weren't rude. They actually asked me questions. Mm-hmm. I want that. And that that is false. Mm-hmm. It, it may be good for you as a consumer because we're all consumers. Mm-hmm. But your consumer preferences don't translate into business ownership, acumen, or success. Right. That's my job. My job is to help you. Again, this is like me being a wealth manager or me being a real estate agent or me being a, an executive recruiter or, or me being a therapist, for God's sake. Right, right. I need people to get the BS out of the way and be honest with themselves so that they can, to your point, find that joy. Because three, four, ten years from now. Right. I want you to be making a pile of money because your employees are happy. Yeah. Because your customers are happy. Yeah. When everyone's happy, then there's joy. Well, and what I lo- Meg, what I love about what you do, first of all, I don't talk to a lot of folks who do what you do, um, is I really believe that you're willing to, air quotes, punch somebody directly in the nose and make sure they can take the punch for their own well-being. And I also love the fact that, again, you have so much experience that you can say, listen, Pat, I get that you like to eat ice cream. That doesn't mean you should own a Dairy Queen. But you would be great at Great Clips or you would be great at, you know, this oil change company because blah, 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 blah. And so and I, and I might say, you know, you're right. I hate my job, but I didn't know that opportunity was out there. And that doesn't mean that people should say, OK, well, I'll just take anything. It means that Meg has experience and can put you in touch with people and show you that, yeah, that is absolutely the right fit. And that's what we all want from a consultant is somebody who has experience and says, here's really what I'm seeing, and you could do this, and then you can explore the why more. So, um, yeah. There are so many great opportunities out there, and, and there's something for everyone if you have that motivation to own a business. The, the skill sets maybe have yet to emerge, but I will – I will extract that from you mm-hmm. so that what you get to do, and I'll be honest about this too. I have a lot of people right now who are happy in their career, but they're looking for another job, but they know not to invest in just one. Don't, don't put all of your eggs in one basket, diversify, mm-hmm. diversify your portfolio, find an alternative investment. You want to own a business. I'll help you marry the two together so that you can have this and that. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have to be just a job replacement or because you have a void in your life. It, mm-hmm. It's this whole notion of owning a business, whether it's a one-off or, or a franchise, should be to fulfill a financial goal. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Well, that's and that's the thing. I think people, when they say, I want to pursue my passions or I want to do these things, they forget that when you're in business, the number one reason you're in business is to make a profit so you can stay in business. That doesn't making a profit is not ripping off the consumer. And I think that people forget that. And so you have to make a profit, you have to pay yourself, and you have to stay around for the next year and the next year and the next year. And that's that's an important thing. So uh Meg, 
you know, help our listeners out. There's going to be some folks then now who have a lot of interest in suddenly starting a franchise. They're going to, they're going to start to call you. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you and get more information and make sure that they take this step in the right direction? What's the best way to contact you? I am unafraid to hand out my work mobile number, which is 847-302-2601. Send me a text and say, I heard you on PK Solutions. Uh, I I surprised somebody last week. He said, oh my God, I'm so nervous. You're a real person who actually <laughs> called me back. Um, but an easier and less exposed way to do it rather than sending me a text or calling me, you're welcome to call me too, but meg at megschmitz.com mm-hmm. is my email address and an easy way to just gently open the door. I tell people just to consider me like you're sitting down on the couch next to me and we're just going to have a nice chat over a cup of tea, get to know each other. And I will be frank and honest about whether we're going to continue on or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would encourage everybody to, if nothing else, uh, begin to follow Free Agent with Meg Schmitz. I think that if anybody is considering a franchise or starting their own business, it's worth the conversation with you. And I will absolutely say that I really believe Meg operates in your best interest and will help you not only succeed, but help you avoid making very serious financial and possibly relationship uh, mistakes. So Meg, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. And I look forward to the next time we, we get together on a podcast. It's been great to spend time with you today. Thanks for the great questions. Thank you. So that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world. Go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me, or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices, and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flats. Simply put, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.